0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the third episode of Tech & Tales. I'm Veer, along with Ram Prakash, the Vice Chairperson at NISB, and we're glad to be joined by Milan Meneses. Milan is currently working as a Technical Solutions Engineer at Google and has been an active IEEE member and the CS Society Chairperson at NISB. He's an avid coder and a techie. So get your learning apps on as we dive into some specific tech topics. So Milan, uh, just start off with like, how was your day and what are you up to these days?
1: Hi everyone, hope you're doing well. And uh, uh, during this difficult time of uh, COVID, I hope all of you are safe. And today, uh, yeah, since it's a day off, uh, I basically woke up late, just had my breakfast and I'm here. Talking to your folks, and uh, it's really exciting to talk to NISD folks after a long time, after all the history that we have had in college.
0: And what are you up to these days? Like, what are you doing? What are you learning? And since you might have some time off, so anything new? Yeah. Um,
1: So, basically, uh, my work at Google involves, uh, I mean, it's mainly focused around cloud and specifically cloud platform products so i'm exploring a couple of solutions with the, these products and um yeah basically i'm trying to write a blog at this point so it's a set up the back end and uh, the framework for these things and yeah i basically have to <laughs> write in content about the things that i do
0: okay so like a personal blog or are you writing by like via google or via
1: it's, it's a personal uh, initiator, it's uh, my own. So, uh, I mean, back in the time when I had to figure out a couple of things, uh, you know, there were no uh, straight answers to a couple of things and yeah. there were no straight yeah, ways of doing exactly. things. So, yeah, all of those issues that I face, I didn't want others to face the same thing. So, I thought uh, it's better to write about those things so people okay. can find it.
0: That's great. That's great. So, we'll, we'll put up a link of your uh, blog in the description so you get some traffic. So, yeah, uh, I am sure Ram Prakash has some questions for you. So, he w- he was very eager to, like, it's kind of his doubts also. So, yeah, I think Ram Prakash, you can go ahead with your questions.
2: Yeah, thanks, Veer. So, hello, Milan. It's probably the first time I'm meeting you. So, hi again. Uh, so, uh, I had a lot of questions to ask, actually. So, let's see how much we'll be able to cover but i think uh, rather than start off with the question you know uh, i've heard this thing pop up a lot like is you know admissions are going on right so a lot of friends and uh, neighbors and all are coming and like they're asking about this specific thing about uh, the way computer science is in colleges and it's almost become a way of you know ranking colleges almost right people are taking decisions on which college to choose based on this and the thing is it's co- like they keep mentioning coding culture, right? So, I don't know, from a personal standpoint, I have no idea what it means. Like, uh, I sort of assume some things, uh, like uh, I would say it's about, I think it's about competitive programming or something, but I don't know, have you heard of uh, things like coding culture in colleges? And
1: uh, Yeah. So um, basically, what this would mean is that how, uh, I mean, you're taught a program language and how you would use that programming language. And uh, I mean, where would you apply that programming language? So if you see a lot of colleges uh, here, it's to say that programming is kind of like memorized by people and uh, they just write uh, the the code and their uh, exam sheets and they're done with it for their marks. So that is not the actual uh, way of doing things. So if you look at coding, I would say it's a universal skill. So in the current market, if you know how to code, if you know how to you know design algorithms and uh, give solutions, the job market is huge. So you you can work on different things. If you want to work in a company, you can work in a company. If you want to freelance, you can do that. And uh, if you, uh, let's say, if you want to build something on your own, make it open source, uh, yeah, I mean, it's all open, right? So, yeah, that, that's the current way of doing things. And uh, in terms of a, the skill level, also, right, compared to other things, uh, if, if you're good at programming, when I say programming, I don't mean, uh, you know, looking at someone's algorithm and just coding that. It's, it's not like typing, uh, this would mean designing a solution uh, With the most efficient, let's say, algorithm, uh, with the best time and space complexity, is using the right data structures to uh, make sure that uh, from end to end, let's say, uh, if 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 it's for a user product, uh, the person using it should feel that it's it's an efficient product. So uh, that would be the end to end culture. And in terms of college. You could say uh, the way the college uh, you know, deals with uh, coding. It might not be from the faculty's end itself, it might be uh, the student clubs. I'm, I'm sure IEEE has uh, IPL in college. So you run a couple of, uh, I think, a two to three uh, competitions on competitive coding. So, yeah, I, I think you can also see that uh, the maximum participation from students would be for such events. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's quite good. If you look at these competitions, also, right? You have like various kinds of people. There are people who are new to programming who want to try things out. and you have people uh, who are actually good at coding who they've been doing it and they want to you know practice it here. And then in terms of languages, also, you can see different kinds of languages that people use and solutions also. Uh, you'd be surprised at times when you see uh, these solutions. You you would not have thought of that solution. You would have had a different solution, but uh, you might have a, you know the person would have written an around- Other solution which is of the same complexity or even better. And uh, it's quite interesting. So I think that is what uh, people talk about when they uh, mean coding culture.
0: Okay. So uh, I like that you mentioned how programming is taught and like in classrooms and everything. So I'll give you just one superpower. What if you had to change one thing about how it's taught, about how exams are taken or what subjects we have or things like that? What do you change? Like one, one, just one specific.
1: Okay. So, uh, if if it was just one superpower, I would uh, change the way how things are graded. So instead of the right solution, I mean the end result, I would grade people for their effort and uh, the way they're doing things. So, success should not actually be the end result. Let's say if uh, if it's your final year project, you you shouldn't find a project that you would know that you will complete uh, within a certain time within all your same boundaries so yeah. uh, the student should be uh, able or i mean should be allowed to try new things explore uh, different technologies uh, and uh, that effort should be uh, you know uh, awarded
0: so after that i would just like to ask uh, okay I, i'll start with like a, a personal opinion so not an opinion i'm just bad at competitive programming. <laughs> So I just want to ask, okay, so when I was starting off with web development and app development and things, competitive programming was not something I was uh, like familiar with and I was not really using it in the starting for building normal websites. But as the complexity grew, like it came into picture and it was like a mind opening thing that solving problems is actually helping me making better UI and better data structures. So I'm sure your complexity is way more than that. So how much do you use those concepts of uh, competitive programming and algorithms in your day-to-day?
1: Um, so uh, well, I think I can answer this in two ways. F- first thing um, regarding competitive coding itself. So if you want to define it, uh, it's, it's not just about you know people competing with each other uh, in order to solve something faster within the complexity range. But uh, I would say it's a platform where you can practice what you've learned. So if you learn something about uh, algorithms or data structures, uh, I mean, uh, through uh, you know uh, through academics or through your subject, what you would have learned is what that algorithm is and what it would solve. And in terms of data structures, you would have learned what a uh, particular structure is, let's say arrays or graphs or trees, and uh, where you would use it. But uh, through comparative programming, I mean, your problem statements would be something related to a real world, right? Uh, some situation would be picked up, and you'd be asked, uh, you know, to solve that. So there, that is where you'll try to apply uh, the said uh, algorithm and data structure to solve that. So uh, in such situations, you'll understand, let's say, if if uh, when to use what kind of sorting algorithms or what kind of uh, you know uh, different standard algorithms for uh, what situations. So uh, uh, at times you would have to modify your algorithm to arrive at the solution. So uh, you would know which algorithm to pick up and how to modify that. So looking at a problem statement, you will be, you uh, will state, okay, if I do it in this way, I'll arrive at a particular intermediate solution. With that, I can do something else. So uh, it, it's just that. It, it's just a way of you know, uh, putting into action what you've learned uh, in terms of algorithms and data sectors. In terms of application development, uh, you actually don't need computer programming to reach the result let's say if, if you're talking about front-end technologies or uh, anything else you don't really you know need the best complexity there but uh, when you're building solutions for uh you know a, a very large scale solution uh, for a very big market uh, these things matter because you can't have people waiting for two minutes in front of the screen to get a result right and so uh, having that snap uh response is quite important in, in such situations you would actually uh want to use the right complexity uh put the right solution that in, in such situations let's say arriving at a solution is not uh the end result doing it in the most efficient way is the end result so in such situations you would uh, need it
0: okay yeah that's that sounds good so i'll try to make my applications more faster so yeah uh... Let's go ahead with the next
2: question, I think. Actually, yeah. So, you know, going along the lines of web development, uh, you know, personally, this is an observation that I have made uh, since I entered college. So since first year, uh, you know, it's almost as if every computer science student or even anybody who is based off computer science and for that matter, even a few electronics people from my class they immediately get gravitated towards web development. So uh, I don't know, it, it sort of sounded bizarre to me. Like, I don't know. So why why has web development suddenly gained like so much traction or is it is it just my observation? Has it been there a long time? Uh, because personally speaking, I think it's pretty hyped <laughs> for what it yeah. is.
1: So, um, it's actually fascinating to look at uh, web development. So, um, in terms of why people easily get onto it, they just write a simple HTML page that's web development. So, you don't need to learn a lot of things to do that. So, uh, let's talk about the web development, uh, you know, uh, how it's emerged out in a couple of years. Back then uh, when, when it started, it was just the HTML script, right? Plain old HTML, you write some tags, you, you put in your data, and uh, that's your web development. And the way to host it, uh, probably you would have uh, you would find a hosting provider and uh, you would get, let's say, an FTP access to uh, uh, the server and uh, you copy those files and you're done, it's hosted. This is back then. After that, I mean, uh, this is way back then. Then I <laughs> yeah, yeah, got the introduction of CSS for styling and you've got JavaScript for uh, having uh, some computation on the front end and uh, yeah this is a static site then what happened uh, you moved towards your back end technologies uh, you started computing on your back end and making your sites dynamic let's say you start with php uh, to compute something at the back end and serve uh, html uh, to the front end so till this point you could serve all of these things uh, as let's say through just copying your files to another site So it was mostly static files, even PHP files, you could just move it behind a reverse proxy, uh, Apache or Nginx and you'd be done. Then what happened, uh, people started uh, having more frameworks for web development. You got things like, uh, let's say in Python, you have Flask, Django and a couple of things and uh, uh, you have Ruby, Ruby on Rails and things. So you got like different ways of having a different backend. And for this, for the backend, you could not—I mean—host uh, these things just by moving these files. You could not just have an FTP folder to host these files. You had to have a virtual machine, a virtual environment to uh, run uh, run your files. Uh, so uh, that led to the introduction of uh, all the cloud technology itself, uh, apart from your storage solutions. So this was how your uh, compute uh, site came up with virtual machines. Then uh, what happened, uh, instead of computing everything on the backend, people uh, thought, I mean, I mean, most part of it could be computed in the frontend itself. And since you have JavaScript, you could do those things in the frontend. And uh, they started doing that. And writing these uh, functions in JavaScript and maintaining these things uh, was not so easy. And that led to the interaction of front-end frameworks, like React, Angular, and, and uh, so many other frameworks, js and other things. So uh, this is how uh, I mean uh, the frontend technologies came up, and then since uh, you were doing all these in the frontend with JavaScript, people wanted to try to do the same thing in the backend with JavaScript, and that led to the introduction of Node.js. So uh, this is how uh, you know the web technologies come up, and in, in the backend with JavaScript, you have Express.js and a couple of other servers that you run. And uh, right now, it's it's kind of like you serve a front end uh, with one of these frameworks. And at the back end, you have APIs rather than, uh, let's say, serving everything from the back end. You do most of the computing on the front end. And then uh, to get data, you either connect to a back end API with, let's say, a REST API or a GraphQL API on the back end. And then you get this data. And uh, the data that is being served is computed at the back end. So that is how the, the evolution has been. And then in terms of people getting in, I, as I said, it's, I mean, the ways of web development itself is, I mean, it's vast. You, you can do different, different things. You can get onto different stacks. Um, uh, let's say if, if, uh, if someone who knows nothing about like computer science, if, if the person's from a uh, different branch, let's say EC or something else, they start off with HTML. I think they would require, at, I think, A fair bit of one week. So, one week of uh, uh, training would be more than sufficient, I would say, uh, to get onto HTML. And after they explore that, they can try CSS and JavaScript and and, then they they can start with web development and they're done. So, uh, with that, if they learn, let's say, PHP, which is not hard, uh, uh, and it probably be done within a month, all of these things, and uh, I mean, they can call themselves full stack developers. So this is how uh, it's, been. So it's actually quite easy to start with web development. You don't need to know a lot. And as you go forward, you can change your technologies and learn more.
2: Yeah. And then I think what has fueled this even more is the introduction of containerization and Docker and stuff like that also. So yeah, I guess the crux is the ease of entry. Like there are very few entry barriers, I think.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and to add on to that, back then, if I remember uh, back in my 11th or 12th grade to host to actually put out and deploy something, it was really hard. You had to find, uh, because you didn't want to pay a student, so you had to find some free services and uh, all you could get to was, as I said, an FTP folder and nothing more. Uh, at this point, if you want to host some static files. You can just do it through GitHub Pages. You don't need to do anything else. You don't need to get any other service. And if you want to host an entire application, the backend itself, um, it's quite easy to get a pass platform for free. You can look at Heroku, or uh, I mean, Red Hat has a couple of options. Even the cloud, you have so many pass, and even uh, infrastructure services which are uh, free for uh, duration as a free trial. And there are some always free products as well and students specially, get uh, free credits that they can use towards these things so it's actually quite easy to you know start with something and actually put that into production deploy that and uh, you know make it reach people at the stage yeah. for free
0: yeah okay uh so i like that you mentioned javascript like javascript is one of <laughs> the only things i know like properly but javascript is very weird like if you uh, like if you have worked with it a long time it's very weird so are there any funny javascript like bugs that you have encountered i just wanted to ask so one of, yeah one of the one of my like most like brain wrecking uh, things was uh back when i didn't know that javascript objects are copied over addresses and not value i was editing some uh, data and the master data was getting edited <laughs> And that was like, what is happening? And I was like way out of uh, my uh, expertise zone and stuff like that. And then I figured out after Googling and stuff. So is there any story like that with you or any funny bugs?
1: I don't remember any. And uh, I don't
0: work much with JavaScript. So uh, I actually
1: don't have much with JavaScript. But yeah, um, I actually don't remember any funny story. It's been some time uh, with any funny things happening
0: so what what do you work with generally like what are your uh most interesting like most what are you most interested in in base I'm uh yeah in terms of tech
1: i'm uh, i mean i'm a pure uh, python guy so the moment i started learning python i, I was uh, you know, full-fledged into python so and in terms of uh, the server itself i i uh, i run Flask servers so uh, also it's because of the ease of running these things. It's a micro server, so you would have to put it uh, behind another reverse proxy. But uh, yeah, the way of doing things and uh, let's say hosting a REST API, uh, this is how uh, I do my uh, tech. And then yeah, so uh, GraphQL I did try it with uh, JavaScript back in my internship time. So uh, we, we had, I mean, the the backend was served through served through Express JS as a Graph uh, a QL API endpoint. So yeah, that's what I do with uh, tech that. in Google. I we I mean my team provides advanced support to uh, Google Clouds enterprise customers. So I deal with the uh, the platform products. Uh, you know, there's the cloud, the uh, the App Engine. Uh, The uh, cloud run, uh, we have the SQL servers, cloud build, and a couple of these platform solutions that Google Cloud has. So we work with these products here. And my house, what do I do? So, um, yeah, I'm not much of an IoT guy, but I do have uh, my Raspberry Pi uh, running uh, 24 7 here so i run a couple of servers on that uh, not for automation purposes either, like it doesn't turn off any, i mean turn on or turn off any lights here but uh, to run something uh, or, i mean to run a task or a server there I, I use my raspberry pi to let's say have a speed test server to have um, a network attached storage uh, to work on those files there and uh, a, a torrent engine or, i mean a download engine and a couple of things running on that so that's
2: right I all right, so that was very interesting to hear all of that about web development and such uh so now I guess we can we would love to know about you know your journey to where you are right now and what all steps you had to take, what all new things you learned uh, in the process uh, and basically how you had to pace yourself for the demands that you know were were like asked for by google so yeah yeah so
1: if i have to start with my college yes itself so i i mean google was a dream company yeah that was my aim but i i actually did not uh, i mean i i did not know or uh, i did not plan let's say of joining google at an early stage i thought i i, I couldn't reach there i mean there's lots of things needed and somewhere down the line uh, i would try to cope up to uh, the bar set by google and uh, you know join the company but uh, yeah my journey started with like my first year itself so uh, since i was a tech enthusiast i, I was learning things so in uh, first year that was where i actually learned uh, php and uh, the web development itself. so my time uh, my free time i into web development in my first year and then, uh, you know, in terms of academics, you have—I uh, mean, you're not into your branch in your first year. You have your physics and chem cycles, and you have—I mean—various subjects that you probably have no interest in because it, it has nothing to do with uh, your field of, uh, you know, let's say computer science or electronics or whatever branch you take later. The uh, in your first year, you have so many subjects, and uh, getting free time also is—it's quite hard in your first year because you don't know how to manage your time. And you're right out of your, uh, let's say, schooling, your uh, um, your pew. So until the point of, uh, say, 10th or even 12th, your main aim would be to score more marks. So you would have no concept of, let's say, skills or, uh, you know, uh, getting new skills or developing your skills at that point. So all you would focus on is that whatever you would do in your free time, doing something, would be to, uh, you know, get more marks and get good grades so that would be it till you are 12th and uh, you know i can't blame that also because uh, uh, you need marks in uh, i mean what you learn let's say for competitive examinations it's required to get into a good college uh, there's no other way around it uh, in india so it that uh, would be let's say a student's uh, goal at that point and once they join let's say an engineering uh, if i can take an example of computer science or information science uh, at that point, I mean, when you talk to people and understand things, you understand that it's, it's not the marks. You need some decent marks, but you need to gain more skills. And uh, those skills are what uh, is going to help you later, even if you want to, let's say, uh, pursue higher education or uh, uh, work in, in a company or start something on your own. It, it, it's the skills that matter, not, not your marks. So uh, yeah, first, my... Uh, for me, first year I went into web development and learning new things. Basically, I learned Python and a couple of other things. My second year, I spent—I uh, mean—my time with competitive coding itself. So, in my first year and second year, uh, I participated in uh, IPL itself and nisb an And I mean, whatever I did participate, I—I I mean, my team was either the winners or the runner-ups. So that was till my second year. And in my second year, I changed my branch. So I joined college uh in the information science branch and uh in my second year i moved uh, to the computer science branch so my internals and uh, other things got delayed by a month's time so i had to i mean learn new things and uh write those uh tests at a different time so because of that i had to miss one ipl i was i mean uh, the day of the finals of ipl uh was uh, by IPL, I mean ITP programming, thing. it's not the cricket one, just to clarify. <laughs> so, yeah, so the finals of that, uh, I mean, dates were released uh, the, uh, I mean, at the beginning itself. So, I knew I would miss uh, the finals because of my test. So, I went towards volunteering to frame the questions for IPL. So, uh, if yeah, so Tejas was the vice chair at that time and he was taking care of IPL. So, I went with him and uh, I, I was kind of like the organizing team uh, for IPL. So I was framing questions, more, uh, I think half of those questions were framed by me. And that's where I started framing these questions. And uh, yeah, that kind of continued for the rest of my second year in terms of computer coding. And in terms of development, uh, I kind of got, I mean, I started Android development at that point because uh, in a couple of hackathons that we <laughs> attended so uh, yeah, at that point of time, I could, we couldn't find any problem that we could solve through, uh, let's say, uh, web development at that time uh, that we could build in a day's time. So looking at an application development standpoint, it, it kind of felt easier. I mean, you could find a lot of problems that you could fix through an app, and you could build that. I mean, at least a prototype within a day. So because of that, uh, I started uh, building. The application and throughout these two years, I kind of built a good network with people uh, within college and through uh, uh professionals in Bangalore section as well by attending these uh, the events hosted by Bangalore section. And yeah, in my third year, I, I was uh, selected to be uh, the uh, chairperson of uh, Computer Society. So uh, kind of my I mean most part of my free time went into the uh, you know uh, organizing events and. Uh, you know giving back to the uh, computer society members uh, for the money that they paid so or, i mean get, moving them towards a, a tech background so giving them good workshops and uh you know organizing uh these events and i think in my time yeah so we also hosted a, a state level uh i mean conference it's called all canada computer society uh congress uh iaa so yeah I chaired that event as well, so we organized these things, and my time went in uh, that. So yeah, post that it was mostly uh, you know learning new technologies and uh, uh, yeah, stay staying in touch with people, networking with folks, and yeah, that was what I did for the first three uh, years. And I was placed through college itself. I, I was interning at a different. Uh, I was interning Bangalore and then in a startup uh, during my placements and i i mean the day before my uh placements i came back to my sir and i attended this and i, I was placed uh in a, in a good company I, it was a, I mean, a well-paying company then yeah my fourth year i started uh, working i mean after my fourth year i started working in the company um the problem was that uh what i was this yeah. company uh, uh aligning with my interests so um, if you, uh, I mean, I mean, nobody tells you about the companies. So if I have to put it in like uh, small words, there are different kinds of companies. You have companies like uh, ID. I mean, ID services companies, which basically uh, provides services to different companies. So uh, if a company A wants a product and uh, company B is an ID service company, A asks uh, the company B, and company B will take the requirements, uh, develop that solution, and give it to company. A. This is an ID service company. Then you have, uh, let's say, uh, uh, a product company, which would build a product and they will sell that product. So uh, you can look, look at a lot of products that, uh, uh, let's say, businesses use or people use. So uh, these things are built by these uh, product companies. The third uh, would be the company which has a main business and they would have an IT wing which would support that business. So that business might be oil or, let's say, uh, shopping or different things, and IT would basically give them support. So uh, I was in—I mean, I was placed in such a company, and what we were doing was providing support. When I say support, uh, the company—I mean, IT wing would mostly have operation jobs and not much of tech. So you don't have development and uh, things. It's there, but it's—it's. It's, I mean, number of roles are very low. So uh, the field that I was put into was uh, cybersecurity. So I was working with uh, risk and control of data moving uh, between applications. Uh, there, so uh, I kind of did not, uh, you know, feel, uh, I mean, good about it. And in simple terms, I was not happy with my job. So I was looking for other options uh, in the first year itself working, and. I think uh, after a couple of months, Google reached out to me and uh, they said, so we're, we're hiring for uh, this role here. And would you be interested? So I responded with it and uh, yeah, it started off with uh, an online test and then there was a telephonic interview. And then uh, I was called in for uh, the uh, on-site interviews post that. Uh, so the hiring process in Google is quite good. So you have um, the people interviewing you would be people from the same role so you can ask them anything you can ask them how your work is or our day-to-day activity would look like and how things are then uh, your recruiter is also like uh, very friendly to you so if i have to hypothetically put the situation where uh, your interviewer is on one side and you are on the other side your recruiter is towards you so your recruiter would guide you and like give you tips on like uh, how you should answer and what you should focus on and all, all of these things. So it was quite uh, good. So my recruiter, I mean, uh, I felt really good about the recruiter because um, uh, if you look at the interviews itself, if, if a company uh, I mean, calls you for on-site interviews, the company takes care of most of the expenses. So your travel, if you're from a different location, your flights, just stay uh, uh, in a hotel. And uh, I mean, your return also would be taken care of by the company itself. So, from the moment I uh, I stepped inside the Google office, my recruiter was with me for, uh, most of the thing and So, even for breakfast, it took it took me to breakfast and lunch also it took me to lunch. And food at Google is awesome. So, uh, yeah. After my interview was done, also uh, I mean, he dropped me off to the elevator. So it was like the connect the culture is it's really great. So that was the experience there. And your interviewers, the questions that they ask are more focused towards uh, the role and your skill set. They wouldn't ask you something that you have no idea about. So it's kind of like that it's kind of testing your ability, testing uh, your skills itself. So it's, it's like that. It's great. And after all of this process, you have another independent body called the hiring committee. Uh, which would pick up uh, all the feedback given by your interviewers and your recruiter, and they make the final decision on hiring. So that was the whole process at Google. But then, yeah, uh, everything went well, and I'm I'm actually happy. Things went really great, and at each step of the process, I was happy about everything. So uh, there's no regrets, there's no issues on any part of it. And for people, yeah, and uh, I think you also asked about like what people should do. Uh, to reach this phase. so i think i have just one suggestion uh in the second year after the first year and after getting into let's say the college and getting into the system uh, the second year um the five days a week right they can spend at least one hour every day uh, on either competitive programming or uh, application development when I say app application development, it might be web development or mobile applications. So they can spend that time on learning things or uh, building things. So they don't have to spend their weekends on it. They don't have to, let's say, do this during their journals or their exam time. But every other time, every day, if they just spend one hour on doing these things, they'd be great because uh, people don't do that. People don't stay in touch with uh, these things. They do something and they forget about it so uh, just doing this much in your second year and half of your third year uh, you can apply to very good companies for internships or uh, post your third year you could actually apply for good jobs and you can show these things uh, have uh, they should have a good uh, resume they should have a good you know a github profile so uh, Let's say mentioning your GitHub links for your projects on your resume also adds value because people can actually go and see what uh, the person's contributed. There are many times where uh, you know people would get code, uh, let's say the whole project from some other place, and uh, uh, you know they they show that project on you know on GitHub. Uh, they would basically have one commit. Uh, and it would be all of these files or it would be a fork of someone else's repository with no modifications at all so uh, yeah all of these things you can find on github and uh, even companies mostly startups are moving towards uh, hiring from uh, hackathons and uh, by looking at your github uh, uh, that's how i actually got my internship so i interned in a startup uh, so basically they took the call of calling me based on my uh, github profile and then uh, after a telephonic interview, I was given a task to uh, you know, uh, check if I was able to you know, meet their expectations. I completed uh, the task of uh, build small prototype of uh, search and then uh, I was given the uh, offer. So that was my uh, internship uh, at a startup environment, and then and that's how uh, things have been. So my suggestion to people would be to. Uh, let's say build the skills. I know uh, I understand people when they, I mean, at least from their per- parents' standpoint, uh, they would have told them, let's say, tenth standard concentrate well, and then twelfth standard concentrate well. Then when you're in engineering, it kind of goes with the flow. Uh, they don't, I mean, you don't get much information about what to do and what not to do. So I would say, uh, I mean, uh, I wouldn't ask people to let's say uh, not enjoy their time. Uh, they can do whatever they want, but. Uh, if they spend let's say uh, one hour every day in the second year or even if that is not possible they could uh, do it on alternate days uh, and uh, you know building. so people what they would do is that they would look at the left side and right side the uh, the classmates and they're like okay I'm at the same level as my classmates or I'm better than my classmates and we saturated. so uh, the problem with that uh, is that there are a lot of people out there who are really really good and those are the people that you should uh, you know uh, try to reach to that level or you know do something even better so being saturated with within your college itself is it's not good because people are not uh, you know uh learning or uh you know have skills to their potential they have a lot of potential because uh i mean uh, let's face it people are in NIE. NIE is a very good college and they have to get a very good rank to get into NIE as well and uh getting into college also uh, i mean placement uh, people easily get placed it's not that hard at all but to find the right job uh, and uh, you know the right role uh which you know uh syncs with your interests uh it's it's hard it's it's not that easy to get a good job no i mean not all great companies come to n i you have a bunch of good companies and then uh, you have uh these other let's say mass companies but uh the culture might not be as great as uh, uh the top companies so to get into those companies uh people have to you know work hard so they have to work smart and work hard so that is just my uh, suggestion to people because it's it's really hard to uh, you know do that every day you lose that determination but at least when you try to do that and uh i mean you try trying to do it for most of the days uh you'd be a lot better than uh i mean uh, your uh, classmates or people that you you know uh, by comparing to before to uh, if it's just my suggestion on that
0: okay that that sounds amazing so yeah thank you for that insight just one thing that caught my attention like that had me just thinking about it you said that you got an invite from google that for the job interview and everything so what do you think uh led them to like reaching like found finding you and reaching out to you so was it your GitHub or open source, or uh, what was it exactly?
1: So uh, I mean, at the time, I had applied to a lot of companies. So uh, at Google and I think a couple of other companies, when you apply and uh, uh, your profile does not match it, you'll, they will still keep your uh, profile there. Uh, your all of your data would still be there. And when another role comes up or another opening comes up, uh, if, if your skills and uh, your resume matches, they would reach out to you. So I don't remember really remember when I applied to Google. It was uh, some time back. And I had applied to a lot of companies at the, at the time as well. So that's how they reach. And typically, uh, the acceptance rate at Google is 0.2%. Uh, so it, it is quite low. Uh, but uh, I mean, it all depends on how things go. You have to find the right role uh, to I mean uh, get in. And then, uh, yeah, in a typical scenario, uh, not just in uh, one company, most of the companies, uh, your recruiter only looks at your resume for two seconds. So in those two seconds, uh, they decide whether to read the whole thing or to move to the next resume. So uh, it's just that you have to have a good resume and a good uh, LinkedIn profile and a good GitHub account. So based on the things that you write, uh, they would look at uh, these different things and. Uh, then they make a call uh, to move ahead with the application. So this is just the uh, resume phase. Once you're through this, uh, then you can actually use your uh, skills. So uh, up till the resume point, it's just you know presenting what you know. So once you once you're through with that, then you can actually use your skills and things. So the tests and other things, you can use your knowledge to do that. And your interviews, you can actually showcase and talk to your interviewers about uh, what you're good at and what you want to do. Uh.
2: So you're saying that open source like plays a large role in like, uh, you know, having a good first impression of sorts, right? Like it's a good channel to get, uh, you know, what you know across. So uh, have you uh, gotten your feet wet in open source of late? Uh, Because Hacktoberfest is coming up and, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, things are going on. So... Uh, Anything you have to say about your open source experience? So uh, I've not, you know, specifically contributed to any open source project,
1: but most of my projects are open source. So I had a license and I make it open source for people to uh, use it. I I write good documentations as well. I write how people can install it, how they can run the web environment, how they can host it as well. But uh, in terms of like India's open source involvement, right? So it's growing. It's not uh you know there yet but like people are uh, getting into it and the reason why this is important is because uh let's say i take a couple of scenarios here one thing would be uh it's a good initiative i mean it looks good when people volunteer and contribute to something that would help a lot of people Uh, this is one that uh let's say companies can look at so a lot of times people wouldn't even i mean they wouldn't know uh if uh, a candidate is good enough or uh, not, or if it, if they uh, are actually having good skills or if they've paid something. But contribution to these things would mean that they were, they have understood what the project is and they've contributed towards uh, this project. And uh, let's say if I have to take a scenario, uh, back in my fourth year or third year, I don't really remember properly, there, there were floods in Kerala. Uh, so situation was really bad and then one person decided to make a website to provide all information related to these things, so that people, uh, if they need, let's say, contact uh, phone numbers or uh, any other information, it should be easier for them to uh, get the regional uh, numbers and uh, contact information. So uh, this person was from IEEE itself. He was a student. I don't uh, actually don't. It's my say I don't remember his name. So uh, he built a Django site and he made it open source, and a lot of people contributed to it. Then what happened, the government actually uh, hosted this. So uh, it was under the banner of uh, the the developer. And after that, the government uh, actually, uh, I think they sponsored it as well. But uh, yeah, even Amazon sponsored it as far as I know. Uh, So this helped a lot of people. At least during flood times, you really wouldn't know whom to contact. Or if you want something, it's it's really, really hard because uh, I mean, most of the time, your uh, you know uh, network won't be there, so you have to go to some location to find some network and uh, try to connect. And uh, it's hard to find uh, the right resources at the time. So if you just have one place where you can find all of these things and get help, it, it's really good. This is one really good initiative uh, that was uh, made by a student. Uh, so yeah, this is one situation that I like. And then uh, I mean, last week itself, I was looking at uh, let's say React templates for a portfolio website. Then I came across one person who had made an open source project on that. Then I I just like uh, visited his website and checked what he was doing. And I was actually you know really impressed by the person. So he uh, had made the whole site uh, open source, so people could uh, I mean use that repo. And then in terms of his contributions, he had a page where he had listed all of his uh, pull requests, shown that. Uh, i mean it was fetched from github but in looking at it i i was like okay this guy is in the second year of uh, college and he's doing so much so it, it is really really good because i've also seen people uh, in that third or fourth year who i mean computer science who find it really hard to write a program to compute prime numbers to so compare to all of these things this person it's quite good so from a Hiring standpoint, if, if I think, even if it was me and if I'm looking at this person, I'd be really impressed. So that's how open source is. And also from a company standpoint, right? So at least, like, most of the companies have a lot of tools and a lot of technologies that are internal. So uh, I can speak, I mean, here in my company right now, the I mean, tech is amazing. So you have so many things that the world still does not know about. And it's only when the company makes it open source that uh, you know people try to understand what things are and uh, they uh, use it. And take the example of Kubernetes itself. So once it came out and it was open source, after that, so many companies and so many people started using it. And then yeah, there were like hackathons and DevFest for just Kubernetes itself. So it, it's just that once it's open source, a lot of people get to know about it and they try to improvise on it. In collectively building something is always better than you know building it with one view by one person a couple of people
0: so uh, one last question i think that will be very uh, helpful for our audience what are the five things that you would like people to try so like i'm a complete beginner i don't know anything about cs and i want to find the passion that you're talking about so what are the five things that i should try as a beginner
1: Okay. Um, as a beginner, I mean, uh, to get into some advanced stuff, you would first need to, uh, get the basics uh, right. So I would say, uh, you know, understand, uh, at least be, uh, con- confident in one programming language. Uh, so uh, if we are quite new, it's it's good to start with some easy to learn languages. You could start with Python or, uh, language. You could start with JavaScript. That JavaScript. So, uh, yeah, get through one programming language. Then you could try things like web development or application development. So, uh, if you're learning things, let's say, like in web development itself, you're doing React uh, or uh, what else are there? Yeah, there's a lot of web technologies where you can use a native mode to have cross platform development. You could use Ionic, you could use uh, React Native, or uh, you could use Flutter. So you'll have one code base and it would mostly be JavaScript, if not a different language. And uh, you could have your one code base and uh, have applications in different platforms. So this is one uh, thing. or you could do native uh, development application development for mobile phones. or you could try uh, things in IOT, uh, having different sensors and different devices and uh, writing code that would uh, you know, sync them and uh, you know, solve some issue or people who could try cloud itself, cloud technologies. So this would move more towards, let's say, dev- developing operations, so DevOps uh, roles, where uh, you would have an automated system where, one, you have a build system, people write code, and when they execute this build system, things are built. So your code is built into production, and then it is deployed, it is tested, and it's deployed somewhere. So you could explore these things. In cloud, you could look at virtualization, uh, containerization. And then, uh, I mean, there, there are different, different things that uh, I, I think in, in cloud, I mean, the basic thing would be uh, the virtualization itself, how an hypervisor works and how uh, a virtual machine is uh, you know given to you. Then uh, you could move towards uh, Docker's to towards containerization. You could look towards how things are built. So it's quite different, right? How you natively, you know, in general, build things, and how you build things to host it in the cloud, and how you build things to put it in a container. The reasons why they containerizing and uh, have these things—it's quite different. None of these things are taught in college, so you could try exploring these things. Um, what other yeah. options are uh, do you have after this? You could look at cybersecurity if if you are interested towards cryptography and uh, you know uh, uh, the security aspects of this. So you could try uh, you know uh, the cybersecurity itself. You could uh, you know look at algorithms. designing, for uh cryptography uh, and you could look at uh, let's say ssl certificates and how these things work and what better you could do rsa algorithm itself and where all it's used and uh, what better things that you could do with uh these things mm, apart from uh, uh these things if you're let's say interested at in, i mean uh, at an earlier stage you would think hacking is good and stuff so if you're interested at in like in like, like, hacking and stuff, you could look at those options as well. You could try Kali Linux and uh, explore things, try to uh, do different things there. So yeah, my suggestion would be know everything, at least basics of these things. I, I missed out machine learning. Machine learning is huge. I'm not really into machine learning, but the opportunities and the potential of machine learning is absolutely huge. So if, 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 you're, if you're into machine learning and if, you, if you're good at that, uh, I mean, at, the, at least at this age, everything runs in machine learning. So uh, in terms of opportunities and in terms of research, there's like great potential in machine learning. So people could try that out. But yeah, there, there, there are different things. You could try game development. You could try uh, machine learning or deep learning, or you could build your own chatbot. You can actually, build the serving uh, in the back end of that chatbot, the whole machine learning model. So opportunities are huge. I, it's just that you have to find your right passion, and this is the right time that people can do it. And uh, it's just that you should have at least a fair bit of knowledge of everything, and we should be good at one or two things. So uh, just knowing uh, one thing and knowing nothing else makes no sense because you have to work with other things as well. And uh, you know, just knowing something of everything is also not useful. You should be good at something, you should be passionate about something. So uh, yeah, it, it's just that people, I mean, people think, I mean, there are a few people who would think that the more programming languages that they know it's, it's good. It's actually not. So you should know the ins and outs of one language. You should be very com- comfortable with one language uh to so, i mean uh, let's say for computer programming or application development if, if somebody throws you uh, throws a problem at you you should know how to solve that you should at least have a mind mapping of what you could do uh with with your language so uh, that is one understanding and then uh to uh, you know with that how, how you you know integrate that with other things so uh, a lot of things you cannot do with one thing so if i know python i can't do let's say front-end development i can't write a python code in my uh, front end, right? So I should at least have a fair bit of idea of how uh, JavaScript works and things. So it's just that, uh, you know, you should have a holistic view of everything. uh, And that involves your operating systems, your databases, uh, your algorithms, data structures, networking, uh, the most important thing. But uh, yeah, be good at one thing. And uh, concentrate on academics don't lose uh, grades, have, uh, have good grades itself but just don't depend on your grades. Grades are good, but grades are not uh, what gets you uh, through your life. So it's the skills that you get. So build a good network. Uh, have a good LinkedIn resume. And whatever things that you do, it's good to post those. It's not good to have a blank uh, profile. And connect with the right people. Uh, reach out to them. And uh, yeah, uh, connect with the alumni as well. So if if people reach out to the alumni, you can just say, hey, i uh, from NIEA. I found I mean your profile on LinkedIn or record it from some person. Uh, I just wanted to say hi and uh, uh, I am looking for some guidance on this. It'll never get turned down. So people, even if they're busy, they will respond back. But uh, they, uh, there's no attitude of let's say people. Uh, I mean your ex or let's say uh, alumni of uh, NIA telling that uh, you know, I'm busy don't contact me or anything. So you yeah, always reach out to people. It's always good to have a good network. So if you're stuck somewhere or if you need, let's say, referrals in companies, you can always reach out to people, and they they will uh, be more than happy. So what's the worst thing that could happen? So uh, you I mean, you'll get a rejected message. There's nothing else, and that rarely happens. So yeah, there's no. I'm We Even I had this concept where uh, let's say if I have to contact some person, that person would be working, and uh, they would have very small you know windows of uh, free time and. Uh, uh, it's, it's not good to you know, book that time of that stuff but that's not the case people if they're busy they, they will find another time and get back to you
0: so if, if people are having that conception and I'm, I'm giving you
1: an open invitation you can contact me anytime
0: yeah i kind of had that conception also of, like, for like the people who are working at startups and all those things like it's a very busy and a very happening life so i was like okay why would they come and sit with us but then yeah i saw a lot of people are willing to share what they learned and Kind of their story and everybody like loves a the platform. They can uh, talk to people, like reach out to the community and things like that. Yeah, so I believe uh, this has been really great. Uh, I've learned a lot and I'm sure the audience will learn a lot through this sessions. I'm really sorry that we'll have to end it right now. And uh, so thank you everyone for joining. Uh, see you guys at the next episode of Tech Intense.